0: Hey, world. This is Ross here with my podcast, Episode 17, coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. I am back, and I'm actually back for a while now. I was doing a couple trips back home, but I am back in the saddle again here in Nashville. Um, And I'm actually really excited because I have two really great shows here in town this week that I'm going to tell you about. The first one is this Thursday... Um, which would be the – let me check the calendar here, make sure I have the date right. It's the 9th. So this Thursday, the 9th, at City Winery, I'm opening for an artist named Zach Wilkerson, who is a soul artist, soul rock from Texas, just great. Um, Check out his videos online. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need to open up a fresh polar seltzer, so I'm not as hoarse. Um, and then Grant Garland – and his trio are doing the middle set, and I'm opening up solo at 8 o'clock. It's only $8 in advance, 10 at the door. It's an affordable show. It's a great room. I don't know if any of you have been to the city winery here in Nashville, but in a, it's, it's just an awesome, awesome place to see music. It's a great listening room, um, great food, awesome wine, great drinks. There's really nothing bad about that night. So I'm really excited. And then on Saturday, the 11th, I'll be playing at the Bowery Vault with an artist here in town named Devin Heath, and it's his CD release party. Um, and the music starts, I believe, at 7 for that. And Devin's going to be on short. There's a artist before, then Devin, and then me. Um, so those two nights are going to be great. Um, Thursday and Saturday, I'm playing solo, both of the shows. And then um, hopefully we'll have some new band stuff coming up in town sometime um, in September, October. We'll figure it out. And then I have that tour with Flying Buffaloes 23, 24, 25. Um, But you can see on RossLivermore.com all of the upcoming dates as well as hear all the music. And um, get any information about me and the podcast and the band and music and all the stuff that I'm doing. Uh, at rosslivermore.com and as always i literally just updated the hey world playlist with some music from uh it's actually a new song from amos lee that is the first song and then music from rocky block who is an amazing um multi-instrumentalist but also an artist here uh he played bass on a couple songs on the new record that we have coming out and he has an ep out called lover and it is just from top to bottom uh amazing and then leon bridges A girl here, an artist named Lacey Cavalier, who has a song called Every Time It Rains. And the music video is awesome for that as well. Um, And then who else did I put on there? Oh, yeah. And and The Weeks, who is also a kick-ass band from Nashville. So I'm very Nashville-centric on this uh, next five songs that I've updated. But check out the Hey World playlist on Spotify. Uh, rosslivermore.com for all the dates, and as always, check out your Dude Stoked on Instagram to find out what is happening with uh, the Dude Stoked stuff. We only have a few tanks left, so if you dig them, um, there's still another month of summer in some areas of the country. I know Nashville just started school today, but um, I know there's still plenty of beach time left up in the Northeast and um, and Florida, because, I mean, fl- is a weird state anyways, but There's plenty of time to wear a tank top, so check out your Dude Stoked and find out how you can get one. All right, so here we are, Hey World, episode 17, let's do it. Okay, and we're live once again. I'm live on Facebook and I'm live on Instagram. I adjusted the angle of where I put the um where I put the iPad for Facebook so you guys can see this deer um that's hanging on the wall. I know I've talked about the deer before in the podcast, but it was a gift from my dad. He shot that deer. Um, and we call it the chandelier deer because of uh named after the great see ya. And her song, <laughs> Chandelier. Um, anyway, I figured it would be a cool... I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I could put the... Where I should put these devices to make it look decent for, for whoever is watching. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. I'm back here in Nashville. Uh, I'm really excited. <clears throat> it was a great weekend. What? Uh, so, I was back up home for um, a couple reasons. The I booked a show up there at uh, Mount Sunapee for the New New Hampshire League of Craftsmen's Fair, which turned out to be like incredible. It was really like this crazy fair, which I'll get into. But um, and the show went really well too. So what it was was every year apparently at Mount Sunapee they do this Craftsman's Fair. So it's like all around the state, and people have to submit. And I think it's actually around the country. Um people come in and they submit to have a booth and they sell crafts. So there was like everything from custom fly fishing rods that were selling for like 2,500 bucks. And they were doing like a fly fishing, uh, demonstration at a little pond they had there. And they had, um, to like custom rocking chairs and furniture, cutting boards, pottery. Um, it was pretty wild. I ended up buying Emma cause she started school today uh, first day of school here in Nashville. Um, but I bought her a cutting board, um, with pie on it, the number, the number pie. So it's the symbol on the top and then it's literally 3.14 and then just numbers, um, all the way across the cutting board. And I'm like, man, how? I asked her, I was like, how many, how many numbers of pie do you have memorized? And she's like 3.14. That's it. Um, so yeah, I got her that. And, uh, And the show went really well. So that was the first reason. And I'll get into the show and I'm kind of like all over the place. But And then the second reason was I have this family piano. And um, my mom is going to be remodeling her uh, downstairs of her condo. And that's where we were keeping the piano. I think it was there pretty much since I moved to Nashville. So almost three years. And um, we had to move the piano into this music school that I used to teach at in Wakefield, Massachusetts called Onset. So, um, yeah, so I got back late on Thursday night um, because I played at the hotel from 5 to 8, the Westin here in Nashville. So I played the gig. It was cool. It's always great at the Westin. And Ubered from that hotel directly to the airport for a flight at 10 o'clock. Um, which was delayed a half an hour and I ended up getting home at like two thirty in the morning or something like that. And got to bed, got up early and moved this piano. And like, you really, <laughs> you, you really get to know the Livermore men when we move a piano together. We've moved this piano. So I think we've moved this piano maybe five times since I've had it. So The piano is a chickering, which was built in Boston. It was the first piano to incorporate a cast iron frame in their pianos. So this thing is diesel. It's a baby grand. It's dark brown. Um, And it was my grandmother's mother's. I think it was built, I don't know, sometime around 1915. It's like, it's a hundred year old piano. So it was my grandmother's mother's. She passed it to my grandmother. And they kept it in their house up in New Hampshire, up in Freedom, which Walter and Allison, the song from the record, is about that house and them, and the piano was in their house. So uh, I think, I don't know, when I was, I must have been like 17 or 18, my grandmother had a stroke, and they lived up there for a long time, and my grandfather took care of her. So eventually got to a point where they were getting too old and they needed to sell the house, which he built. Um, so my dad and aunt and uncle kind of like cleaned out the house and and kept the things that they wanted to keep and and just got rid of like a ton of stuff. But the piano was this family heirloom. So me being the only musician in the family, I naturally was the one that kept it. So I kept this piano. We moved it from that house in New Hampshire down to the house that I was living at in Beverly. We call it three HP. It was pretty much like the party house. Um, because around that time, that we moved the piano, I was early twenties, and I was playing with the band, uh, our band, Pimp and the Chimps, which was kind of just like a bar cover band, with Paul who plays with me, and um, a guy named Jeff Rachel and Ryan Dupont. So we would play all around Beverly and we lived in a house in Beverly. So naturally, like we were young and we were I was working at the restaurant, and we were just like partying. So anytime we'd play, we'd just like come back to our house and we had this piano there and people would play it. So um, this was actually before we met Phil. so it wasn't as like much of a centerpiece for the parties until Phil joined this crazy crew. Um, so we um, moved the piano down to Beverly. We moved out of there because our landlord actually passed away, which is a whole nother long story. Um, that was kind of this crazy thing that happened, but I'll I'll get into that another time. Um, so we moved out, moved the piano into my mom's house at the time until we moved into the nines, the ninety nine Herrick house, which was like the, the, the more mature party house. <laughs> we would have organized parties like pig roasts and Christmas parties and stuff. But that was around the time that we met Phil. This piano was in the living room. Phil is an incredible piano player. And anytime we'd have, have a party, it was serving the purpose um, that my grandmother always wanted, which was you'd have a party and someone would be playing and everyone would be singing around the piano. And it was just every party ended with that. So it was great. So then we, um, when I decided to move back to to Nashville, we all moved out of that house. I think, yeah, no, that house, I I think they actually were trying to sell it. And we all, oh, and, and Paul and Kate bought their house. So we ended up moving out, moved it into my mother's house. And mind you, this is a six foot baby grand piano, weighs seven, 800 pounds. So it is not like a... Pat Davis on the live feed on Instagram. <laughs> um, this is not like, all right, let's just, you know, move let's move it. You need to get a trailer cuz a couple times it rained when we moved it. You need to get four or five guys. Um it is it is it is a process moving this piano. And I think that last time we ended up moving it, my my dad wears flip-flops every time he moves this piano. So clearly you know, you have to lift up the piano, take a mallet, um, and, uh, like, uh, like kind of hammer the legs off, and we hammered a leg off, fell right on my dad's foot, and he was bullshit. He would, <laughs> he, <laughs> he will, like, still not let go of it, but this time we moved it. The other day, he shows up in flip-flops, and I'm like, Dad, why the hell are you wearing flip-flops to move a 706-foot baby grand piano? But... Uh, that's, that's what he does. That's, that's the big chain. Um, so we ended, we ended up moving it to my mother's house and then, um, I moved to Nashville. I moved into a third floor apartment. Now we live in a townhouse and we don't really have much room for it. So luckily BJ at onset music school has a really big facility and my mother wanted to move it out. Cause she's refinishing the downstairs. And, um, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, if you, if you're looking for another piano, uh, maybe we can move it into the school until I can afford to buy a place that we can keep it, Um, so he was super receptive about it, and he actually, he's like, and it's a chickering too, which was the piano that he learned on, which uh, made it, a little bit more of a sentimental value for him as opposed to just like bringing in another piano to his music school. So we ended up, uh, he said, okay. And um, we decided to do it when I was back for the Sunapee trip. So it really worked out well that I even booked the show so we could move the piano. So that's what we did um, early Friday morning. So my brother shows up and my dad and (laughs) it is just like three Livermores moving a piano. Just everyone Boston balls it is just nonstop. and then bob came bob savior savior of the day um he came and the four of us ended up moving it and the good thing about moving this piano this time was that we didn't have to go up any steps we just kind of knocked the legs off put it on its side we have this dolly thing um that you just wheel it out and wheeled it picked it up right onto the bed of the truck tied it in and the onset music school is like maybe ten minutes down the road from my mom's house and just wheeled it in, set it up. All the pedals worked. Everything's great. It has a little bit of wear and tear, which um according to my dad, my grandfather when he moved it, it, it <clears> there'd <throat> always be like nicks and dings and stuff. Um but we uh we did it. And um I think eventually once I get some money and once we get a house I I'll I'll really want really want to get this piano um I I'd like to get it refinished. It's not like a guitar where like, oh, look, you know, like you have a nice beat up old guitar and it looks cool because it's road worn. Um this is, you know, it's a piano, so eventually it'd be nice to have it looking as good as it sounds cuz even though you know, we've we've never hired a piano mover to move this which um but it still sounds so good. So it's like, I don't know, it's it's a mixture of sentimental value and having it be like a family heirloom, and the fact that the piano still sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, we ended up moving it in, and it's great. And uh, it's always a bit of a bonding experience uh, for when my brother, my dad, and I get together and move this piano. It's kind of just like one of those, th- it's a, it's one of those family things that you always will do, you know? Um it's a it's a weird tradition, but I'm the only musician, and I have the piano and I'm actually really happy that it's in onset and BJ was so cool about taking it because sitting in my at my mom's house, it's really not getting used other than like when I'm home or when my nephew Owen just wants to go like plunk out some notes um so now it's like okay, kids will learn to play piano on this instrument um. So and I think my grandmother would be happy about that. So I, I'm really excited that it's in there. Um and that was great. And 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 the piano's in, it's all safe, it's playing well, just needs a little bit of a tune, and it's good to go. So that was that was my Friday. <clears throat> Next morning, drove up to Sunapee through torrential downpours. And um I was like, God damn it. Like I didn't know what whenever we book at a ski mountain. Um, I always assume it to be like Atatash where they have a tent but it's not like it's not a tent that can really withstand like heavy rain the last time we played there it was was a decent tent and it only like sprinkled so we could still keep going with the set but it wasn't like if if it was raining like it was raining for excuse me let me take a sip of this Paula oh hey Kim Oh, that's cool. Kelly learned to play on it. Um, yeah, it's great having a family heirloom piano heirloom fairly. I'm thinking of like heirloom tomatoes or something. Um, but it's great. It's great to just keep that in the family. Cause it's, it's more than just an instrument, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I hope if I have kids someday, they'll, they'll hang on to and their kids. And it's just this, like, it's, amazing that an instrument built that long ago still holds up and still plays as well as it does and even though it might not be the prettiest thing um that doesn't really matter as much um anyway what that was i saying oh yeah so the we get there and i was like god damn this is like we were nervous and phil in classic phil fashion was like hey man uh have you checked the weather for this, have you checked the weather for this gig? <laughs> and I'm like, no, cause I never do. Um, <laughs> so I, I checked and it looked like there was going to be some rain. <clears throat> um, which if I get a text from Phil about weather, I know that it doesn't look good. <laughs> it's not like, Hey man, did you check the weather? And then it looks perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up getting up there and, and, uh, Phil was there and we, we were just chatting and stuff and we ended up playing. So like the, the, the interesting part about this particular gig was it was three 45 minute sets of all original music. We couldn't play any covers because I don't think they have a deal with whatever BMI or ASCAP or however that works. So um, they were like, the the only thing is you have to play your original music, which is great because you know, we always want to play our original music. So the way it was set up, it was a small stage and there's probably like 40 to 50 seats in this tent. And, um, there's people like passersby walking through the tent. So you kind of get like, <clears throat> like an attentive audience also followed by people who hear the music and walk by and catch a song. Um, but so we ended up playing and our drummer for the day, because Paul was traveling in Europe, was a friend of ours named, uh, Dennis Monagle, <clears throat> who is, Sorry for my phlegm. I feel like I'm clearing my throat a lot. But Dennis is a fantastic drummer, a good friend of ours, and um, he plays with an artist back home who named Quill who wrote the song Waiting on Miracles, which we recorded for this upcoming record. Oh, Chris Miller's in the house. Chris Miller, legend, living legend. He's a friend of mine here in Nashville. Um, and former boss at Zaney's. He is now, um, his wife started a company and they are, well, him and his wife started the company and they're going to be crushing it very soon. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so what the hell was I just talking about? Chris, he screwed me up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I screwed myself up. I think I, I should take credit. I should take blame. Um, so Oh, yeah, Dennis. So Dennis played drums with us. He plays with Quill, who wrote a song that we're recording. And it all comes full circle. But, yeah, just growing up on the North Shore, Dennis and, our, and and my paths have crossed through various bands. And um, he's just – he's he's a amazing drummer. He's one of the most musical drummers, too. You know what I mean? He just has a really good sense of dynamics. And he listens, and he takes charge, and he takes control. But he also lays back. He's just like – plays very uh he's a very cerebral player if that's the right word um but yeah he I sent him the songs about a month ago and we came up with the set and um he just killed it he just crushed it and we didn't really um <laughs> dude you don't have to be sorry for crushing it you are crushing it um so yeah Dennis he just he went above and beyond on this gig. And um, so it's funny, like, when we finally saw the setup, we're like, you know, maybe we can repeat some songs because we were, like, digging deep into the catalog. I think we had 27 originals, um, which, in hindsight, looking at that, like, that's really good. I have, like, 27 originals that I would play in public. I think that's a good accomplishment creatively, um, if, if nothing else. It's like, I'm willing to play these songs in a public place <laughs> because I know there's other songs that I'm not willing to play in a public place uh, that I've written. And I'm sure every songwriter has those songs too. And I am I'm, I know I'm going to still continue to write those. Um, and uh, so we ended up playing the first two sets. We did like a 50-minute set. Then we did an hour set and we didn't repeat anything. So I think we ended up doing like 20ish songs and there were a couple songs that were like deep in there that were like if we really need to uh if we really need to play that we can but like I haven't really thought about that song in a while and I don't know if I'm going to remember all the words or remember all the chord changes Um, so we cut, like, we ended up cutting, like, five, and so the first two sets, we didn't repeat a song, and the second set, we did, like, three more that we didn't repeat, and then we just kind of played, like, all the new stuff again, like, Reggie, and, um, Always the Gentleman, and Queen of the Night, which we finished the other day, and it's fucking badass. Um, yeah, that is, I can't wait, I can't wait till you guys hear all this new music, but it's just great to play it with, um... It's just great to play it in public in a live setting. Um, It just feels good. And just playing with Dennis. It's nice to know that we didn't get a rehearsal in because I haven't really been nervous for a gig like this in a while because we didn't get to rehearse and, Anytime we do an original gig, I don't care how good the players are, typically it's nice to get a rehearsal and be like, okay, we know when to start and end the song. <laughs> um, if nothing else. But um and it's not because I didn't have faith in the players, It's just like my own insecurities, like, okay, these are my songs and I want to do them really well. And um so you you know, you're nervous and but it's it's gonna happen no matter what. Um The gig is going to happen either way. So you just have to do it to quote the great Andrew Bayardi, do it or don't. Um, So we ended up playing and it was great. It went really well. Um, And I think that I am better because of it, because we didn't get to rehearse. We just played the songs. We had trust in each other. Dennis did the work and listened to the songs. So it wasn't like any, every part he was spot on. There's just like, Maybe it's because I add stupid hits. (laughs) It's always weird hits. It's never just like a song. You know what I mean? It's always like just a little bit more complicated than it might have to be, especially some of the earlier songs. Um, But we made it and it was great. Um, And Dennis crushed it. Check out Quill, Jesse Cimentaro, and anything that Dennis Monagle does up, up, in the North shore of are around, I know he plays with a bunch of bands around there and he hosts, did he say, Oh yeah. So he was hosting an open jam at a, at a bar called the rum Line up in Gloucester, um, which has since moved to a new bar, which I haven't played up in Gloucester in a long time. We used to play at a bar called captain Carlos, which I think, uh, whoopie Goldberg had some sort of involvement with, I think she might've been part owner and like every now and again would bartend. um, but, yeah, so we would play Captain Carlos with Pimp and the Chimps, like, back in the good old days of, like, playing covers, and, and, man, like, some of those gigs, people would just get trashed. Gloucester is one of those cities that is really, I don't know, if if you haven't been up there, it's, um there's a lot of cities on the North Shore that are really kind of hard to get in and out of, and if you don't drive there... out of there at a certain time you're gonna be stuck in traffic like real deal traffic not like nashville like eh, traffic because it's not even highways you're stuck in traffic coming out of like from marblehead you're hitting salem state and it takes you like an hour or an hour and a half just to get to a highway gloucester's the same way it's just like it's it's a pain in the ass and you really have to plan to leave so a lot of people that are up there would just like They'd rage because it's like they're just going right down the street back home. So some of those gigs were just like so fun, cutting your teeth, playing like Bill Withers and all these old like that was that was my introduction to playing, um, some of these old soul songs was was with the band Pimpin' the Chimps with Paul and Ryan Dupont and Jeff Rachel and it was cool, it was it was it was great. And uh, apparently, I don't think Captain Carlos is as big as it was, but Mile Marker One. I think it's mile marker one, but that's where Dennis hopes hosts the open jam. Um, And apparently that's like the place, which I haven't been up there in a a long time. So, but yeah, if you're up in the North shore, check out his open jam, check out anything that Dennis Monagle does because he is a legend and he's an amazing person and, uh, um, and just a fantastic drummer. So it was great. The gig was awesome. Um, and it's just cool. There's something about New Hampshire that is just special. It's unlike any state, you know? It's a it's a great place. That's why I make it a point to go up there and play up there. And I think next year we're gonna try we're we were trying to do a Dude Stokes festival at Aditash this year, but it just kinda like got away from us. But I think we're really gonna make it a point to try to do it next July. Um hopefully July twentieth or something sometime around then. But we'll see. Um and then um I forgot to mention I have a really good friend named Galen Verney and, uh, his fiance Mackenzie, who's the best. Um, her family has a house on Lake Sunapee. So after the gig, which ended at like four, we were out of there at five. Um, we got some solid hang time, but before then I forgot to mention Mark Selesnik, Phil's dad came and his mom and Phil's dad plays trumpet. And, um, He's just a great musician. He came and sat in on a couple songs and killed it. And actually, it was funny because he played um, on Always the Gentleman, Always the Fool, and then on Work Song. And the, the, there's right next to us, there was like a blacksmith demonstration. And after our set, the blacksmith came over and he's like, hey, who was playing trumpet? And we're like, oh, that's Phil's dad. It's Mark Seles- Mark Selesnick. And he's like, man, he was great. So I told Phil's dad, I'm like, hey, the blacksmith really loved your playing. And I'm like, that is a sentence that I have never said at a gig before in my life. Yeah. Hey man, the blacksmith really enjoyed your playing. Um, <laughs> so. But anyway, uh, yeah, Phil's dad played and I just, I love when his parents come because like myself and like Paul and like most of my friends, I feel like we are just our parents. We end up, as we get older, we just become our parents and Phil and his dad um side by side. It's so funny. It's so funny because they are just so much alike. Um and if you ever like I was saying with the piano moving, I'm like, I am my dad, you know? It's 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 just what happens when we get older. We become we become our parents. Um so yeah, after that we um hung went over to the Davis camp at, at Lake Sunapee and Just hung out, got some drinks, some light domestics, as they say, and uh, took the boat out. And then the next morning we did some wake surfing, which I don't know if you guys have wake surfed before, but it is crazy. Like, so it's wakeboarding and and water skiing. You're just like, it's too fast. The boat has to be just gunning it. So um, the Davises have this boat and it is just red, white, and blue America through and through. And like it is this boat that has it has bags of water that you can like adjust the wake size so if you're riding goofy or if you're riding regular you can keep the wake on the right or the left side depending on where you like it so um if so i ride regular so they had this wakes surfing board which doesn't have any bindings on it it's just a board with grips and you get towed behind the boat and the boat's probably going i don't know like 10 miles an hour pat how how uh, how fast do you think the boat's going? Pat Davis is watching the Instagram live feed, I think right now. And he was one of the, uh, drivers of the boat. And he's also like a great wake server. So, um, the boat's going and then you like, so you get in front of the wake and you get to a point where you actually feel the board, um, connect with the momentum of the wake. And then you drop the rope. So you're not even holding onto a rope. You're literally surfing the wake and it is crazy. So like I could get up on the board every time, but like when you're going, you're, you're kind of like push and pull and like you feel the slack in the rope and then you feel the tightness of the rope. Um, so Bob Davis, um, who is uh, Pat and Mackenzie and Brendan, Brendan's dad, um, he's a great teacher. He's a pilot and he just really knows how to like, articulate what you're trying to do so he i think my third or fourth time i was surfing this wake and he was explaining to me like how to catch the wake and how to like uh distribute your weight on the board and after he explained it to me um i think he actually made a musical reference in in his explanation too and like i just got it and it was like this crazy feeling of like you're riding the water behind you on a board. It was wild. I can imagine that the it's the closest thing that I have felt to actually like real surfing. Like catching the momentum of the water and riding it. Um super cool. It was just so cool. Maybe I'll post I have a couple videos of me on the board. Maybe I'll post that. Um eleven nine is the speed. So eleven pretty much twelve miles an hour. <clears throat> Thank you, Pat Davis. Um what is this question? <laughs> I just got a question that I don't I don't know what this is. A Nora. She said that sounds amazing. What is your favorite kind of cheese? <laughs> you know, I think my favorite kind of cheese is probably feta. I love feta cheese, but if I'm talking about a utility cheese, a cheese that is I can use for a burger or I can use for a salad or I can use for pasta or anything like that. Um, I'd probably say cheddar cheddar is probably my favorite utility cheese. Um, Oh, Nora. Hey Nora. Sorry. I, I can never tell what these Instagram names. Um, so I think feta is my favorite cheese cheddar feta and cheddar. <laughs> Cheddar is my favorite utility cheese. A couple honorable mentions, though. Um, back in Salem, Mass, there's a place called Bagel World, which is just like amazing bagels in that place. It was like the college spot. I went to Salem State, and it was the place to get a bagel. Um, they always put Havarti cheese on their sandwiches, and that I've always loved Havarti. Um, Parmesan, and that's another great cheese as well. Extra sharp, I think, you know, sharp the sharpness is all fine with me either way. (laughs) I love, (laughs) thanks for, thanks for the question. Um, anyone watching the feed, if you want to, if you have any random ass questions, you can always ask me that stuff too. Um, (laughs) so feta, cheddar, Parmesan, havati, And, uh, yeah, I think those, those are the top four for me. Um, you know, I, whenever I get a question, I try to give a thorough answer. Um, I don't like to half ass the questions. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, it was overall a great um it was just a great trip up to New Hampshire. And I love flying because I get especially now because I get a lot of reading time and I just finished Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Book four. Like, it's... This series is crazy. It's blowing my mind, kind of. And I actually... Um, yeah, Bagel World is the shit. Um, so I, I, when I was on the plane, I got to read. I think I was I had like, I don't know, like 200 pages left. So, by the way, this is the first 700-page, 700 700-plus-page 700 book that I've ever read in my life. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Um, thank you, Nora. She said on the live feed that I am a good person. I think you're a good person, and I think you're a great question asker. Um, what is your favorite kind of cheese? I didn't even ask you. Um, get back to me with that answer. Um, but yeah, so I finished Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and I actually read like a hundred pages yesterday, and I had like the l- I think I had the last two chapters this morning, and I just read it. And there's some stuff that happens at the end. I'm like a 34 year old man at 9.30 in the morning on a Tuesday, reading Harry Potter, crying. Like, literally crying, reading this book. And it's like, the first three, you know, I I could see the argument like, hey, Ross, you're a full-grown man reading children's books. And that's that's fair. That is a fair argument. But book four is like, it's way more, it's way heavier than the the first three. And the next thing I'm going to do after I finish this podcast is immediately, well, I have to go to the bank. I'm gonna record a live video with Emily Chambers in East Nashville. Dude, I'm playing Colin California" with her, and uh, we're gonna do a little live video, which I'll post something on Instagram. And then I'm gonna go book guy, uh, go buy book five because actually, when I was finishing this book up, I like didn't want it to end. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy reading it because you kind of like I think I think one of the reasons why everyone loves this book so much is because they kind of like can see themselves in the characters. Um, oh, I just lost a little bit of the feed. You can kind of see yourself as these characters and and in, in Harry, you know what I mean. So it's like, and and you can see your your friends as like Ron and Hermione. And I had a good conversation with Caleb Hooper, who plays bass with me, the other night. And we were talking about Harry Potter because he's like him and his wife and his kids. His kids have read all of them. They just read books like crazy. Um, and he's like, Paul is like, you're Ron. And Phil is Hermione. And I'm like, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, it's a re- it, just re- it was a really funny way to look at it. And I've never looked at it like that. But it was just funny. But anyway, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Real deal shit. Real deal. Uh, I don't know. I feel like after I finish this series, I will be a better person having read them all. Um, So, anyway, I feel like that's probably a good place to end. Um, I got to get out of here anyways and go do some more stuff today. So, once again, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. This is episode 17. Do me a favor. If you like the podcast and you're into what I'm doing... um, Check out my music on Spotify. This is not forever the record. And maybe like share it with someone. Um, tell a friend. Tell a couple friends. Whatever you feel like doing. Because um, uh, sharing other people's music is the best way to uh, to help an artist. That's, that's all I can really say about that. Uh, Bob. Bob's on the live feed. Bob's coming down on Thanksgiving. Which is going to be so much fun. So much fun. Um, yeah, share the music. Um, tell people about the podcast. Check out Hey World, the playlist on Spotify as well. Um, for all the music that I'm listening to and currently into, and check out Dude Stoked. Your Dude Stoked on Instagram or the store on Big Cartel, and you can uh, check out what type of apparel we have going on there as well. Um, and as always, RossLivermore.com for all of the dates. For me solo or with the band um, and everything that's coming up in the future so thank you guys so much once again for listening thank you guys for tuning into the live feed on Facebook and Instagram um, oh Bob's looking at plane tickets right now it's exciting it's going to be a big Thanksgiving we're doing the turkey trot um, and thank you guys once again to listening to listening for listening to the podcast this is Hey World episode 17 and I will see you next week have a great week everybody Bye-bye.